Welcome to the Pandemic Pedagogy Podcast. In this first episode, we speak with Kelly Green, a middle school teacher of public school and special education. Kelly and I have known each other for quite a long time as we first met in high school in Denton, Texas, back in the 90s. It has been wonderful to reconnect with her and hear about her experiences. Some of the things that stood out to me in our conversation is the fact that teaching for a lot of us is in our heart. And she mentions that various times Um, and how important this connection is that we have with our students and how impactful that can be for them, but also for us. So um, I hope you enjoy this episode and I appreciate Kelly for being the first participant. So let's stay tuned. Hi. There it goes. How are you doing? I am good. How's it going? Good. How's your day? It's, uh, it's, it's been good. It's uh, lots of, I mean, you know, little small productive pieces here and there and learning some different, some good news and hearing some, okay, well, we'll figure that out. news. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's such a good way to put it. Yeah. Okay. We'll figure it out. Yep. It's not, it's not bad. It's just, it is a, necessary pivot that word's been used a lot over in I don't know if it's been used in your uh world but the pivot mm-hmm. is a constant mm-hmm. yeah I think it's, uh, that's the perfect word for it and you may pivot in multiple directions in one day mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. yeah absolutely well I um I, I wanted to let you know that I did get your release form I very much appreciate it um it it, it the it worked out really well so that's great mm-hmm. um I also wanted to, and I did not yet have the chance to look at Eric Jensen, the trauma in the brain yes. link that you mentioned yesterday. So I really look forward to that. I appreciate you sharing that with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure it will connect to a lot of the things we talk about today. So um, so first I'd like to just introduce to you, Kelly Green. Um, I'll let you introduce yourself, but I just wanted to, by way of my own introduction, to say that we have not seen each other in person for a very long time. Um, but we went to high school together and shared one very, I think, influential teacher in Miss Bird, um, who was the, the head of our drill, well, the director of our drill team and just someone who had an amazing amount of empathy and, mm-hmm. um, you know, relatability and, uh, really listened and empowered her, her young women to, to be leaders themselves. And so, you know, I think we're kind of products of that in some way. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> very, very good. Yeah, empowerment is a very good word for, for Miss Debbie Burr. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So do you want to just mention sort of how you came to education, where you are, what, what, what sort of a teaching environment you're in, and then we'll jump into some questions. Yeah, so um, funny, interesting that you did bring that up. Um, I remember at the end of uh, that that year, sitting in kind of the group circle and, you know, where is all, where are all the seniors going and what are you going to do? And uh, it came up multiple times, Kelly, you're going to come back and you're going to be the next 
Miss Bird, you're gonna you're gonna be the next real team teacher. I'm like, no, I'm going, I'm not, I'm going off and away. And so I didn't go very far. I stayed in school, but um, but uh, kind of uh, played around and did some different things after I graduated. Um, my actually my degree is through the college of education, but it was in kinesiology and business. And my goal was health related um, fitness and, and therapies and stuff. And and I had several different paths. I, I like to call myself a, a late to a late bloomer to the education um, profession, but I have always been the leader and the coach and the trainer in any jobs and positions I had over over years. And um, when I became a mom, it became all that much more evident that I had a, a teacher heart in me. Mm. And um, and I was quite actually influenced by my dad. At first, it was him saying, why don't you just homeschool your children because you can teach them. But that became, well, why would I just teach my own? And so I came in, um, like I said, in, in a, as a late bloomer compared to most of my you know, young high school friends who jumped right into um, education. And um, started in early childhood and noticed quite quickly the impact that um, uh, preschool and, and kindergarten uh, age teachers have, um, the, the influences they have on physical, mental, and social and emotional growth in our young kids. And um, it was, it, it just grabbed at me pretty quickly, like this is where I'm supposed to be. And I worked, moved into um, a school district in elementary aged kids and worked in special ed and in several different type classrooms and, and from a behavior classroom uh, to just you know resource and academics as well and the behavior classroom is where I learned really so much about um, the human brain and how um, things affect us um, and our young our young kids and how our, our attitudes and how we approach others um, impacts them and what they do and so really had really it was the bet it was one of the hardest jobs I've ever had as an elementary um, um, uh, behavior educator but it was also one of the best trainings I've had for the rest of my path and mm. um, over time that led me into um, now where I am now at a, as a middle school teacher. Um, and I came in um, starting in SPED as well and in special education with um, another behavior classroom. And, you know, there's, it really becomes a need to, in, in special education of really not only just knowing what a diagnosis is, but what does it mean and how can we help them and help them recognize, you know, their strengths and, and then those challenges they may have. And for a lot, it's, it's this emotional connection piece. Um, and, and there's always other, other components can fall into place. And, and then here, I've, I've been on my current campus for eight years now and have just transitioned and moved into, um, I'm now in the science department, which backs up right back to my degree in kinesiology and uh, my love and my a passion for knowing how our bodies work and our minds work and how we need um, physical activity and growth and mental activity and growth, which is our academic component, but then also our social relationships. And, um, you know, I have a lot of people when I say I'm a middle school teacher, a lot of people kind of go, oh, <laughs> oh, good luck, you know, and <laughs> it takes a unique person. Uh, you know, we have to have a special kind of personality sometimes. Um, we have to have um, a good sense of humor. 
um, I have to have a lot of patience and um, it just, it's, it's a challenge, but when you know these students, you know why you're here. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then also just uh, my, one of my biggest passions as a, as in the middle school age is preparing them for what's next. Whether it's you know just just that transition up to high school, which is so scary and challenging, but then also beyond that into a career or a job, um, and then into college and, and beyond, and helping them recognize and see, you know, little things in themselves that are different than others, or or um, maybe not, maybe similar, and how we can help grow and find those things. And a lot of it's some self-reflection too, looking back at your own teachers and your own education and, and who's made impacts on you in the past. Um, mm-hmm. So that's kind of where I am and why, you know, I, I do what I do um, mm-hmm. because it's, uh, it's just really te- our teachers and, and, and I, that's, it's, it's our heart. Yeah. And, and so that's where I think it's easy for some of us, easier maybe even to have these connections with kids that, um, is very impactful on them yeah. in different ways. Sometimes they don't, they don't really see it now and that's fine. You know, they may not yeah. see it later on. And those are sometimes the best moments is when they see it and recognize it later on in life. Um, uh, the teacher's heart, Kelly, that's uh, something that gave me a little bit of a, you know, a chill and a tear. Um, I love that you put it that way because I do think, you know, there's, there's so much emotional engagement. I feel like in order for our students to produce, we talked about this a bit, but for our students to produce intellectual, um, intellectually or engaged with materials from an intellectual standpoint, they need to feel safe. And how do you get someone to feel safe largely? It's because you're providing an emotional sort of stability mm-hmm. in your relationship with them. And so the, the heart part is, is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, so shifting to, to COVID, um, yeah. how have your, these past few months and now going into the future, how has this shift since COVID affected your ways of teaching? I think for myself and for, you know, my peers, you know, it's been really recognizing some intentionality and things that we may have done on a very natural daily basis in the classroom looks different whenever you are, you know, across the screen from someone or even via an email, you know, and trying to reach out and find those kids that you would have seen multiple times during the day um, and trying to be more intentional because it would have naturally happened here in in our buildings. And so um, intentionality and being very purposeful and knowing what we all were missing, um, you know, in those those first months, uh, uh, you know, in our at-home quarantine, whatever, you know, word you want to call what our, our time back in the spring was, you know, even as adults, you know, we miss the connections of seeing our good peer friends in the hallways or having our, you know, brief meetings, that those things that you might have dreaded some days, mm-hmm. we started missing those. And it was kind of like a, we just want to get back on campus, even if it's just us in our classroom without our kids, we needed the connection here. And so mm-hmm. um, uh, I'm in the district that I'm in now, we are in a a stance where the teachers are on campus, we're in our rooms, um, we're wearing masks and those kind of things. We're limited to small group 
um, you know, social distance type of things, you know, safety first. And I think that what's good about teachers is that we know we have to do it and model it in order for our kids to be able to do it. Um, right. So, so it's, it's, it's interesting to say the least, but what's been good as we've been back for about a week, um, week and a half on campus getting through just preparing for what's, what's next is um, it's been good for the heart and the soul um, for many of us. Um, we, we needed this um, because mm-hmm. While, while we all say that, you know, teachers are off for the summer, we, we aren't ever really off. We're always thinking and finding and doing new things and having trainings and stuff. But those are, those are our brain breaks, you know, those, mm-hmm. those few weeks in between um, classes and sessions over the summer to get us reinvigorated for the new year. Mm-hmm. And um, here we've had this long disconnect. Mm-hmm. And so it's been really hard for a lot of teachers. So now bringing us back in, like now we can now hyper-focus back onto what are we doing with our kids? How can we make sure that they feel connected to, to me as a teacher, to the campus as a whole, uh, to their peers within the class? Um, and it's just about, you know, intentionality mm. and thinking about it. What you normally would have done in your class? What are you going to do now via, you know, a video screen? That's, I think that's such a, a really important thing to consider, um, not only in the classroom, but I think intentionality, we have more of an impetus to think intentionally and act intentionally because mm-hmm. there's so much at stake mm-hmm. outside, you know, in the world. So like if we go outside, you know, depending on where you live without a mask on, you know, what are the implications of that? You have to be intentional about where you go, where you, how you breathe and on all of that. And I, I very much appreciate that. And so it's, you know, one of the questions that I um, have been thinking through is, does the content of what you teach shift as much as how you teach that content? And it seems to me that uh, your, your focus has been on not necessarily the content, but the ways in which you teach that content. Yeah, the content will just come and the content will be there. Um, and we are teaching content, but it's the methods at which we're going to teach, we have to have the students following us and being there with us. And some people will use the term like buy-in. And I don't necessarily like that language necessarily because you're like, well, why, what are they buying into? Is it, you know, something fishy? But it's more about having them want to learn and want to listen and want to do. And, um, and it's, a, it's a motivation piece for some students, even just naturally in the classroom. Um, so we've got to be even more so connected as to, sometimes it, it's a why kind of question. Why do you need to know this? Once we have the why, now we can go in many different ways to get to that final piece of, of, of mastery of some part of the content. But the content is just, it's another, it's, it's one of the many layers that we have to have and build with our students. And if we haven't built trust and um, understanding and they don't see and hear your drive as a teacher to help them learn, not just deliver, but help them, um, they're not necessarily gonna be connected and fully there with you. Mm-hmm. So true. And, and the connection piece, I think, is something that has been hard for so many of us through the computer. And I was, I was talking to a, a colleague yesterday about this and being mindful mm-hmm. with Zoom, how hard it is. And I, I thought to myself, I had this visual of 
maybe we could do an exercise as an introduction where all of the students, including the instructor, reach toward the camera mm-hmm. in a way of like welcoming, you know, I mean, it sounds silly, but it, it could be a way of all of us kind of getting our bodies adjusted to this environment and recognizing that we're all disconnected, but we're going to do one minute of whatever it is mm-hmm. <laughs> that mm-hmm. connects us both in our physical presence, but also in our, you know, virtual presence. And so um, have you, have you been, has that been a conversation in your preparation the past couple of weeks about connection? How are you going to connect? What is yeah, that going to look like? Yeah. And so we naturally, so, um, you know, our district has been uh, very big um, in, in the restorative practices uh, mm-hmm. for our campuses and our students um, in, in the means of uh, what discipline and being able to build that social emotional um, base for our students. And so uh, it's already been naturally embedded in all of our trainings and our work. Um, and so we've, it's been even more emphasized because you know, where I was that teacher that was at the doorway every single day with a different kind of high five handshake, shake, you know, some kind of a greeting. Okay, so I'm not there now. <laughs> where am I? I'm on this side of the computer. So what's that going to look like and sound like? So this kid, the students that come in still know that it's very authentic. And it's mm-hmm. not just some canned piece that I'm pulling out of some, you know, book or video oh I saw this on TikTok you know or some kind of you know social media components you know that Mm -hmm. let's try this but then again maybe so because that's a connection piece that that they may have they may see it and recognize and go whoa how do you know about that and um and so our our main focus and it's really been stressed um is that those first few days have not had you before how can they know who you are um, or at least get a glimpse and start to get a feel for who you are and which maybe your expectations are and what they could have in similar, but then also building a connection within a class that's online and, you know, that they're not just all, they're not strangers. They all know each other from the previous school year, school year and different classes, but now we are now unified as quote unquote first period online. And so, you know, and that's really what the it, it's for what I've found myself doing the past few days is kind of, you know, migrating through the building to the little small groups of other um, what I would call master teachers. And what are you what have you come up with? What's an idea? Mm-hmm. Because that's what is really our our profession might be is very unique because we, we use each other for that. We need that collaboration. And some of the best ideas comes from somebody you've been talking to that spurs or inspires an idea for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it might just be a tweak of something that you, that you own that make it your own language. And so it's been really um, very much our, our focus and uh, how can we connect with these students where they're going to want to show back up online the next day. And we, we saw that in the spring. Of course, springtime naturally on a campus is always a little, little, little wild and crazy anyways. You know, everybody gets in a little summer fever, but yeah. um, there was this exhaustion, if you will, of this online learning that students started just kind of peeling away from attending online, you know, live sessions. And they still did their work and still did check-ins, but not as many came in as excited about this new thing. And so now it's how can we get them reinvigorated for what 
this is going to look like. Because going into the fall now, this was a, a five-month learning piece for educators across the nation and the world. Mm-hmm. Now we've, we've seen what did or didn't work um, and have some good models to run, for, run, run with. And now here's the next best thing. Mm-hmm. And here, here's what we can do next. And it, it'll be completely a growing process day to day, week to week, month to month, wherever we're at, you know, if we're still on this virtual, um, this platform, if you will, that, um, and, that, and that's kind of, I've said here today, I'm ready just to go. Um, yeah. let's, let's just get this go. And then we can figure out tweaks and changes and what's really working and, and some things that don't work, which is naturally in the classroom too. Um, Absolutely. Each class is always different. So. And it, what did you gain from those conversations of, you know, what are you going to do? Did you, did, does anyone have any really great way of saying, okay, well, in order to bring all the students connected, we're going to do X. Yeah. So um, speaking with like, like our ELA department, you know, they normally um, have, you know, students doing different kinds of book studies. And so there are study groups where, you know, these, you know, eight students are studying one book would typically go over to one side of the classroom or out into the hallway and they would have, you know, a process of, you know, deconstructing part of the book or unpacking different topics. And they have these processes that they naturally happen in the classroom. So um, the connection to that, to keep that still a normal thing is creating smaller groups within our online um, classes and Mm -hmm. um, the platforms that we use for that so that then you know, they can still go over, the teacher can go in and still peek in on those students, you know, and, and, they're, and be able to listen to what they're saying, see what they're doing in their chat, and be able to facilitate those conversations and, and guide them. Um, and then, you know, just the, the smaller pieces of, you know, I had someone um, talking about, you know, those first few minutes of getting logged in to the live um, class session. And, you know, uh, somebody's Wi-Fi is not connecting and there's moments where it's not the bells ringing and we're getting started. We're going to, it's going to be the slow roll in. So then like a chat box challenge and, you know, getting students, you know, find the funniest um, a picture of, of, a, of a pet in your house. And so going through a, a book or a magazine, it doesn't matter what, and bringing it to the table, you know, and, and bringing, having it ready to show if you're called on. And some of that seems almost um, some of the ideas we've talked about almost seemed very show and tell like as an elementary kid or for an elementary kid, but it makes it fun for middle schoolers. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so having that, like, you know, who, you know, if it can, can be purposeful too, like science, you know, we're studying plants and leaves. Okay. So for the next session, find any kind of a leaf anywhere around your house, wherever you're at. And it might be, you know, a pine needle or, or every it, one to kind of find a connection of, Hey, what kind of a tree do you have in your yard? You know? Mm-hmm. And then so connecting it with content, but then giving students that time to be able to share and talk about and Hey, I own this. I have this, this is me. Um, and, and kind of breaks down a few barriers um, mm-hmm. that might naturally have happened um, in the classroom that can might be easier on, on a, on a video screen, if you will. Um, and then, and then there's just the other, you know, components of how can we, you know, pose questions that aren't isolating questions. So instead of asking something like, so how was your summer? You know, or what did you do this <laughs> summer? That, that often can be a question in school um, wow. that 
could go could go south really really fast. So it's asking more about what was your favorite um, uh, you know dessert you had this summer. And for some, it might have been you know a little fifty cent you know ice cream pop. It might have been mm-hmm. this big pie that they actually had a celebration of something somewhere. So, um, but and then making them think about more focused on positive things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and so f- trying to really balance that and, and having conversations that are, um, safe, like you said, safe yeah. conversations. To have. You know, it's funny because what you said about show and tell as well, um, I do that with my college students, you know, just mm-hmm. as a way of like breaking up and making them see me as a human who's, yeah. you know, struggling just like they are at times. Um, mm-hmm. and having some, a little bit of a, you know, an, an insight into what my life looks like, which as you mentioned, mm-hmm. you know, you can't do that in a normal classroom. So being able to say, oh, I do have three, you know, pine trees in my yard and here's a pine needle. That's, that is a way of getting to know people that we wouldn't, like you said, normally have access to. So there's a human element, even though it's ironic because it's less of a physical connection, but, uh, I like the, the sharing. Mm-hmm. And, and learning about one another. I think that sometimes gets sort of thrown out in a more traditional setting mm-hmm. because we're so focused on the content. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's where we've had to be purposeful. That's, that's what our district has pulled in for us is recognizing that social emotional need. And, you know, we've, we've done um, activities like group circles where, you know, there is a question posed and it's a safe question. Um, it may be sometimes a silly question, but everybody gets to answer. Um, we don't respond to their answer. We just listen. And, but what it helps us do is one, learn to be good listeners and two, uh, find commonalities or similarities with someone you might not have ever walked across the room to talk to mm-hmm. and um, it's really fun and even even similarities you know with their teacher because uh, you know it might be something like what's your favorite game show and like oh we all watch such and such on Thursday nights and um, and so those little connections like you said make a human connection now I'm not I'm not some you know entity over here that just lives and breathes in this building but you know I I I live outside of this building and um, live and breathe. And, and I think that's been really important for me over the years is to, to connect my family um, to, to my classroom. And mm-hmm. you know, in some cases I've taught kids that have been my own kids, friends. Um, mm-hmm. And, um, and so that brings an extra, I think a special component in a relationship where mm-hmm. I can have kind of funnier conversations with those kids. And, um, and then, and then it's really fun when other start to realize, wait, you've been to her house? (laughs) uh, Yes. And I I like to always, with some of my, some of my students, I love to be like, I don't forget, I know where you live. Yeah. (laughs) And just, but that's the kind of relationship you've got to be able to have with our students is to be able to, you know, to make them laugh or to know that, you know, uh, you know, that, that joking kind of factor. And it's a middle school thing as well. You know, there's Mm -hmm. some kids that will, that will grab onto your sarcasm and others that have no idea what you're talking about. And, uh, (laughs) and that makes other connections happen. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, that would, or puns. And so I love puns and uh, some of my students just, we, we can pun, we just keep going and going and, and it's just a piece that we have in common. And, um, and that makes it easier for students to, to feel safe and to let go whenever they are, when they're struggling or when they need something and be able to have that connection. So it sounds like you're, you have 
you've, it, it sounds to me like what you've mentioned over the past couple of weeks in your preparation for this coming year that your district has done a really good job of providing tools to facilitate this transition to hybrid, remote, however you want to call it. Is that, is that mm -hmm. a pr proper assessment? Absolutely. I mean, there, there. It's, it's been a, a focus for several years. Um, their intentionality, again, um, with the social emotional needs of every one of our learners, not just a student who has a diagnosis with an emotional disorder, but every one of us. Mm -hmm. You know, we have these mental brains that need connection. We need mm -hmm. support. We need socialization, and on different levels. Um, but being able to give us, they've, we've definitely have been privileged to have lots of tools. Um, uh, put into our toolbox uh, to be able to use. And, and again, we as teachers have to collaborate and it's walking around the corner or emailing or texting someone and saying, I heard you just did such and such. How did you do that? Mm -hmm. and, um, and using those, those ideas to make, or even finding the teachers that do have really natural and authentic relationships with their students and kind of watching them and, and mm -hmm. trying to mimic what they do until it becomes authentic to you as well. Um, it's been something that's been really, uh, we've got some great mentor teachers and like I said, master teachers that um, they, have it, they have it figured out. That doesn't mean they don't struggle. They don't, they don't have moments of, of what am I going to do next? But, uh, but they, they, they have their tools in their toolbox ready to go. And, and how much of this do you think you've gained over the years from your experience versus in your, your educational upbringing is this sort of thing it, it, for me it, it, this was never none of this was ever taught to me yeah. and so I wonder if uh, in an educational school for example or educational department department of education these things are emphasized mm -hmm. so I think that it, it's uh, introduced maybe touched on you know we all have to take a sociology and a psychology class and those things and I would call it exposed you're exposed to it but until you're actually, uh, for lack of a better word, in on the front line, until you're actually doing it, you, it doesn't really make a, a, a connection necessarily. Um, but for me personally, I can easily think back to those teachers that stood out to me who did things that now it's, it's, it's kind of this blanket, like, oh, look at the new thing. Well, my fifth grade teacher did that all the time, you know, and, and looking back at teachers going, I remember when she got a new car and we all walked out to see her new car she just got just because she wanted to share that with us or wow. she had pizza Fridays and, and, you know, and it's, it's just um, thinking back, you know, and, and often a lot of, a lot of people kind of think back and we'll, we'll remember some of those negative moments and those, those teachers that, oh, um, don't, everybody remembers him, you know, those things, mm -hmm. but it's those other teachers that stand out because they had a relationship with you and mm -hmm. that's where like thankfully there's still a, a that, that's where we're still focusing on and our, our guidance and counseling department has been amazing with that but it is it is experience it is mm -hmm. seeing it doing it and in some it's maybe a little bit more natural you know and that's a lot of teachers kind of come in with that natural ability uh to have relationships and, and and make those connections but you know training in school just barely just puts a, a small little layer into mm -hmm. what it could be and until you see it and you have to have to interact and, and do it it's it doesn't 
it doesn't feel natural and you mm -hmm. don't recognize like the actual need for those relationships. Um, and sometimes that's where we have, you know, teachers that struggle with a student who, you know, it, it just can't seem to pass anything, but they're really, really smart and, um, or never turns in homework, uh, but they always make 100s on the test. And those kind of things are sometimes rooted into the relationship with a teacher. And, um, and so that's usually as, as I've worked with helping alongside, you know, mentoring or um, kind of being an instructional coach with some of my peers is in my experience in with behavior students and in special education is bringing that over and saying, okay, but let's think about why are they butting heads with you? Like, what is, what is happening here? Mm -hmm. What, what can we, do, what can we do differently? And it, it just, it, experience um, is really the key sometimes, but it's also what other opportunities through that, that we could call it the teacher training process, what, how can we bring some reality into that and not just in the idealistic classroom, you know, and, and um, right. even like some sort of certification tests and such are often built around the perfect ideal classroom and that doesn't exist. Right. <laughs> and you may have a really good class one year, but um, it's not perfect. And there's going to be moments that it can't go exactly right. Um, and so trying to bring in some kind of a, of a reality into the, that training, but mm -hmm. then also being able to go back and go, well, there was this one tool I heard about. And so I had, like I said, building those, and that's why teachers, why we continue to do trainings and continuing education mm -hmm. is because not only is there always, there are new ideas and innovative things that are happening, but it's also to help reiterate what we might have learned, but have forgotten or just hadn't put into practice yet. Absolutely. Um, and so, so, so growth through, and I like to always say, you know, a good teacher is also a very good student um, right. where they not really, they might not have been back in elementary school or whatever, but, but they want to be a lifelong learner. They want to continuing to continue to learn more about what they do. And that's mm -hmm. how they become a better teacher. It's interesting because all the things you're saying, you know, learning through doing, no one prepares anyone for a pandemic, teachers, healthcare professionals, you know, it's just not something that is <laughs> brought mm -hmm. into the learning process. But I wonder if it will be now, you know, I wonder if that'll be in, inserted into the curriculum and, and, um, and instructional pedagogical courses yeah. going forward. It would be interesting. And I think that's why documenting it, which is what I want to do in some ways will help us all remember because who knows how much of it we're going to remember <laughs> oh goodness yes well and i think your word you know you pulling in that word pivoting and 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 knowing that and that's why i've kind of i am the optimistic realist on my campus and to where you know something new lands in our lap and it's like all right well well, then let's just go with it. Let's do it. And it might not look the same and cause it never does. And the, the kind of the running, I would say that the, the underlying joke right now is, so then what's going to happen at the beginning of next year? You know, like this is usually there's always something, you know, a new principal, a new staff member, you know, there's something or new curriculum. Uh, but now we're like, how, where else can this go? Well, guess what? We can make it through this year. We got the, it doesn't matter what else happens next. And so, but then I think it's also in the springtime, especially there was this 
moment where a lot of there were you know teachers who hadn't stepped into technology enough in their classrooms yet and they were thrown into it in the spring and um was eye-opening for many and for some once they could breathe a little realized all right i should have been doing this Mm-hmm. And, and so now it, it's broken down a couple of walls and barriers because, you know, we try to protect ourselves. Um, and we like, we like what we've done, you know, in the past, we like our habits and our routines and, and new can be scary and challenging, but we all worldwide had to change, um, mm-hmm. so quickly. And so now it's a matter of, well, you figured it out. We all did well. It's it's fine. You know, that's a phrase right now. It's fine. fine. Um, and, 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 and really the underlying tone right now is just do your best. Your, your best is more than anybody can ask for right now. So just do your best and, um, you know, be intentional in making mm-hmm. sure that, that what, what we need to be doing, you're, you're doing the best you can. And it's, it's every, every school year, there is a, a moment, you know, somebody is changing grade levels or changing schools and there's, you know, they might have a tough start, but we are, uh, someone said to me recently, we are all in the same ocean. We might be in different boats, but we're all in this big <laughs> wave ocean. We don't know what's on the other side. We know where we're headed, but it's not just one person. We all have our, you know, and you can say we're all in we're all the same boat even but um our boats all look a little different but everybody has something different happening with this year so um I love that you have to be cautious and and careful and and kind (laughs) down as you as you pass somebody you don't know if they're on the brink of today is the day of my meltdown and (laughs) um and we may have one and then it's like all right stand back up and yep yeah and so but that's also I think it's a connection we all have knowing that that yeah, we're all in the same boat this year. So yeah. Um, well, I wanted I wanted to ask you if there's anything that you feel like you wanted to share that I haven't asked you, mm-hmm. or if you want anything you wanted to ask me um, before I express my extreme gratitude for you having wanted mm-hmm. to have this conversation with me because it's um, again it's I think connecting all the educational pieces helps broaden that idea of our ocean. You know, mm-hmm. I think sometimes, uh, particularly those in my, in the higher ed field tend to isolate themselves in what they think is their own sea. And that I think is to our detriment. So, yeah. um, and, and that naturally happens here, even, you know, in, in the public education sector too, of, of ever, sometimes we do have islands and now we've realized, yeah, the island's not always going to be the easiest thing to do. And, um, you know, my other big thing and, and you know, in, in a side conversation we had is, um, you know, we've all, this experience through this pandemic has created some level of trauma for us all in our brains. And, you know, whenever we couldn't go to the gym, when we normally would go every day at the same day, at the same time, um, or even just going to the grocery store and a quick swing in on the way home to pick something up and suddenly that stopped or, mm-hmm. you know, our night's out to have dinner with friends. And, and then our, our students are the same way, just everything has, was, was shut so quickly and, and still is, is by no means back to what we were used to. And, um, and I love studying, learning about how that, how our brains, um, our, our folk can, can be stressed so easily. And, um, you know, we talked about on the side that, you know, 
I love the studies by um, uh, Eric Jensen on brain-based learning and trauma is a piece in there that I'm not going to have my students come with me down my science path um, in my classroom um, if their brain is not ready for it. And, and it doesn't mean cognitively ready. It means emotionally ready. And um, in that trauma, we've, we've got to be in sometimes, you know, we don't know what that is. It might be, you know, an argument, you know, in the car on the way to school that mom was very mad at the kid for leaving shoes in the middle of the walkway. Anything. Those little things can linger with you all day as a student or as a person. And um, so really understanding that and taking a pause and knowing that what you say and what you do to those around you um, could have a bigger impact on somebody than you ever can imagine. And um, it, we just have to be cognizant of that. And as teachers, especially of our students and our, of our peers and our coworkers of, um, you know, Right now, like we are digesting and getting a lot of information thrown at us at different types of schedules and how we're going to do this this year. And a lot of us, you know, we will say our brains at the max, like I can't mm -hmm. process anymore today. And it's, you got to shut it down and start back over the next day. And so just it, it, it's fascinating. Um, we're human and we're this amazing creature that has this amazing brain. Um, and we've got to recognize how we can can help our students um, help each other. So exactly, yeah, that's that's a really that's a really great place to stop. I think um, you know understanding our limitations and uh, and sharing that knowledge and modeling it because that was something that you brought up in the very beginning. Um, how can we model this behavior for our students and make them feel like they're part of a, a larger picture, you know, and I think that's even going to be more maybe obvious in this type of an environment than it might have been in just sort of a regular setting. Um, so that the pause um, is, I, I very much appreciate that. And I do hope that uh, we're all able to take more of those moving forward in order to just check in with ourselves, you know, how are, where are we? How are we? What's what's happening instead of just moving quickly like we tend to do um, without really, I don't know, taking the pulse, so to speak. Oh, so absolutely. I think we're going to see a lot of, uh, we're all going through a growing phase right now. We're all having to grow. Um, it might, might be painful for some of us and, but we're all having to grow and, um, and maybe have, have a little bit more of it uh, in touch with, with what our own needs are. And I, you know, hopefully as we come through this, it'll be, It'll be good on the other side. It just may not be easy to get to the other side. Right, right. Well, again, I can't thank you enough for um, having this conversation with me. And I hope that oh, this is just the one of, of many. Maybe we can check back in and you know, see how things are going once the semester gets started, the year gets started. And I would love to talk with you more about um, so many of the things that you mentioned that I wrote down as we were talking. Um, intentionality piece, the, the idea of restorative practices, um, how do we build, you know, a, a teaching is a collaborative mm -hmm. field and a collaborative career path, which I think is so important and oftentimes gets kind of left by the wayside. Mm -hmm. um, and 
how do we humor? I think that was another one that I'd like to include as a follow-up conversation to humor and how to, um, how do you translate humor and then to an online setting? Maybe, maybe that'll be something that you'll have a really great anecdote or, you know, like you said, one of those pieces that you just feel compelled to, to share with your colleagues because it, it worked for whatever reason, you know, whether it's like a pun, as you mentioned, or a, uh, I don't know, like a meme or something funny of TikTok that mm. is related to the content or not. And that, uh, you know, makes everyone kind of lighten up a little bit in their, mm-hmm. in their stance. So thank you very much. And I totally appreciate what you're doing. Um, I think mm. it's, it's, uh, that's it. It really, I, yeah, well, looks a piece of excitement because this is really something that is, is a a passion for my, for me too, mm-hmm. and my, mm-hmm. my teaching. And so um, I appreciate, that's why I just, I, I love to read more and, and find more and see more. And, and, um, and so I love that you're adding in another piece to be accessible mm-hmm. for people to learn from. And I, I, awesome. yeah, necessary. So I appreciate your time. That was an extremely engaging conversation that I feel privileged to have shared with Kelly. I hope that our experiences will inform your own teaching and learning as we head into this continued space of pandemic pedagogy. Stay tuned for our next episode in which I will be talking with Erin Halloran, a teacher in many senses of the word. She will share with us her experience transitioning to the remote teaching of ballet and gyrokinesis, both ways of learning that are inherently based on being physically present, incorporating touch, and observing how a body moves in time and space. Her students range in age and ability, as do her various methods of engaging with those students. Thank you for your time today. Please stay well, and I look forward to sharing with you again soon.